Welcome to the Messenger Podcast, where our mission is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. We want to use this podcast to share truths that will position you to experience God's best in your life and in your world. My name is Matt Joya. I am filling in for Addison Bevere, but fear not, because joining me in studio is none other than Addison Bevere. Wow, I see how you did that. You see what I did there? I also noticed the way you said followers. Are you from the Northeast or something? Because it had a really interesting sound to it. Yeah, I'm like a toddler. Sometimes I have a hard time with my R's. Oh, okay. And so I just kind of... Yeah, it must be a New England thing. It could be. You know, I was actually thinking while sitting in this seat was, and you sitting across from me, as I just kept thinking, look at me, look at me, (laughs) ID Captain, ID Captain now. Have you seen that movie, Captain Phillips? I have not, no. You haven't seen that no, movie, Tom Hanks? No. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's good. It's like a true story. Oh, is that the Pirates? The Pirates. Yes, I have seen the that The Hostage movie. and Sorry. the Navy Seals. Yes. I think he got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it was a good have, movie. Yeah, it was a great movie. But yeah. that line always sticks out in my head, so I just thought I'd... Yeah, now, no, I'm tracking with you now. Before, I just thought you were making funny sounds. No, And it no, was no. funny watching you doing it, yeah. but I'm tracking with you now. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it what's, out. What's it called? It's called Captain Phillips, Captain and it's Phillips. a true story and i hope that is pg-13 because if we don't we're probably <laughs> going to get some hate text messages or anyway no, it's really, our people don't do that they don't it's no, a really are, good these movie. are like real christians that listen to this podcast that's right like real uncompromising followers of christ that's right i'll tell you what amazing people mature mature Super. really really mature people okay well, we probably should move on one Def- thing i know i know yeah. you're you're running the show today but i do have to share this we just got out of the messenger cup yes and it was amazing unreal and you led the alpine experience which i jumped people jumping out of planes i jumped out of a plane going down crazy rapids yeah doing zip lines all sorts of stuff and then there was the golf component which i led which you know i mean it's exciting too and exhilarating you know you never know when you're gonna get hit in the face by a golf ball so that that actually happened to you well no not at the messenger cup but but it did it did i got hit in the face with a golf ball and I was spitting blood for a week. Yeah. And it it's kind of the reason your face nasty. looks the way that wow. it does. Now, now you're saying I have no, a distorted face? No, I'm not saying face. that it looks bad. I'm just saying it's... It has a bit of a rugged look to it. It caused some structural, like, moving around. That jawline. Wow. It's nice. Okay. okay. It's good. Anyway, so <laughs> I want to let everyone know that we are signing people up for next yes. year's Messenger Cup. So it's about 300 people that gather here in Colorado Springs for four days of pure adventure and to change the world. And it's amazing. Yeah, so. and it's amazing. We have people from all over the world come. Some relationships are formed yeah. that last a lifetime. And it's just a, an amazing time if you need to be refreshed, if you need new vision. Yeah. And uh, If you want to jump out of a plane. I was just going to oh, say that. If you want to jump out of a plane, you know, you really know where you, where you stand with God when yeah. you jump out of that plane. That's, you're, you're that's good. It's an act of faith. It is. Anyway, messengercup.com. Check it out. All the details are there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We hope you can come. Well, Addison, I'm excited to listen to this message. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Hey, wait, what message? Your message. My message. Your message. Oh, we're sharing a message for me today? Yes, that's oh. what we're going to. And so we'll come back after the message and we'll kind of break it down a little Sounds bit. Sounds good, man. So today I want to ask and hopefully answer the question how do you become an uncompromising follower of Christ? I feel like that's a good question to ask, right? How do we become uncompromising followers of Christ? And you know what's cool is Jesus actually gives us the answer. 
He does. So let's, let's throw it up there. It's Matthew 16. It's actually found in multiple locations, but I'm pulling from Matthew 16. And it says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So I've, I see two things here. Number one, deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. Here's the problem, though. Self. Let's talk about self. We love that self. Self-promotion, self-reservation, self-help, self-care, selfie, treat yourself. There's a lot of self in our world. There's a lot of selfism in our world. In fact, I would argue that the governing philosophy of our world is selfism. And so uh, recently, Ash and I, we were having a conversation, and he was being so selfish, and it was driving me nuts. He was bickering with his siblings, and he's the leader. He shouldn't be selfish like that. And I started talking about what it means to deny himself. We started talking about what it means to lay down your life and what that looks like, practically speaking. And see, we, we think of laying down our lives as this big, grandiose thing. But the reality is we all live here in the West, the cushy West. So the reality is we're probably not going to get the opportunity to give up our breath. Yet Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 to die to ourselves daily. So what does that mean? That means every day, every hour, every moment we have an opportunity to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves. And so um, I, I think the reason why this is so challenging, it's the reason why Jesus hits this thing right out the gate, this idea of self, is because self is the greatest idol in our lives. There's a reason why, you look at the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, I am the Lord your God, right? You should have no other gods before me. Why? Because our favorite God is what? Ourself. This is the whole idea actually in Romans 1 that Paul unpacks in Romans 1. It's actually the base of sin is a love of self. So anywhere you find sin, you will find a love of self. And Austin was talking about fear today. And in 1 John, I'm actually going to pull this up now. 1 John 4, we see the, the root, if you will, of, of fear. It's right here. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is also are we in this world... This is NLT, man. I wanted ESV. Never mind. We won't. Sorry, whoever I called out. Sorry about that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Everyone say punishment. Punishment. Right here makes it clear that fear is rooted in self-preservation. Someone who's not concerned about themselves doesn't have fear. Fear is rooted in self-preservation. Someone who has completely given of themselves, they don't spend their lives worrying about the judgment seat of Christ because they are found in Christ. First John, or, um, first John talks about it. Um, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the uh, writer of Hebrews talks about it. There is eternal judgment. That is an elementary doctrine. But when we take our eyes off ourselves, we are free from the fear that is rooted in punishment. In judgment. But the problem is so many of us are running around living fearful lives because we haven't gotten over ourselves. We haven't done the first thing that is required of us to follow Jesus, which is deny ourselves. So my question is, does God hate individuality? This whole idea of denying self, like does he hate who we are as individuals? And of course the answer is no, but he despises individualism. That is the antithesis of the gospel message. It's the antithesis of laying down your life, of becoming a part of a story, a narrative that is bigger than your own. 
Lewis once wrote, the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him, God, take over us, the more truly ourselves we become. So God's not after our individuality. He's after pseudo-individuality because that's not who we are. That's a mask that we've put on. Our real identity, who we are in Christ, is this vibrant being that is animated by his love, the perfect love that casts out all fear. And we can't live in that perfect love, in the reality and the experience of that perfect love if we find ourselves consumed and obsessed with self. So the first step is deny self. Second step, take up your cross. And on that note, you're not going to be able to do anything missional, gospel missional, if you're obsessed with yourself. Good luck. Good luck reaching outside of your little world if you're obsessed with yourself. Second thing, take up your cross. Now, what the cross represents is your new life that's found in death. It's the new life that is found in death to self. So it's death to your limiting opinions of yourself, death to self-reliance, and ultimately death death to self-worship. But the sad truth is we chase a good life oriented in self-preservation because of a low view of grace. We have a low view of God's saving power through his grace. And so what we do is we follow the world in its pursuit of the good life. So we use the gods of sex, stuff, and status to build a life that feeds the false self, that takes care of the false self, that glorifies the false self. And see, what God does is he takes these gods, if you will, of sex, stuff, and status, and he puts them in their rightful place. All three of those, they have purpose. They have efficacy, all three of them. But when they become gods in and of themselves, and when we use them to serve ourselves and to feed ourselves, then they destroy our humanity. They destroy our new creation reality in Christ. And I, I want to read to you an excerpt from um, one of the chapters in the book that I'm working on. And uh, it's, a, it's a section on grace and this whole idea of a low view of grace. And I write, many sloppy, unimaginative, unimaginative grace teachings refuse to acknowledge our new creation reality in Christ. They attempt to pacify or manage the false self because they lack bravado to awaken our true selves. This causes people to reduce the gospel, gospel to moralism, which leads to certain frustration. Either people feel condemned for not living as they should, or they create a self-focused reality where how they live doesn't matter because they have imputed righteousness. Both extremes release the individual from any love-oriented, missional responsibility that extends beyond the confines of a small, false self-existence. Let me make something very clear. We will not feel alive until we align ourselves with the person and work of life. The true self, which is a transcendent harmony of both God and us, is a river of life that only expands as it flows. Don't allow a false grace to make your life small. Grace enlarges our lives, introducing a greater vision of who we are in Christ. This vision will create tension, but that's okay. With vision comes hope, and you cannot have hope without tension. In fact, the only way to eradicate tension is to abandon hope. And a life without hope is no life at all. So this whole idea of self, I really believe it is the thing that keeps us from becoming uncompromising followers of Christ. That's why it's the first step. It's deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We have so many people now being told, you can follow Jesus. I know sometimes in my own strength, I try to follow Jesus without denying myself. And what I do, I use the gospel as another altar to worship the gods of sex, stuff, and status. 
the gods that rule this world. And then the world looks at us and they see, you're no different than us. You, your pursuits are actually the same as ours. You just hide them. You mask them in this spirituality. You're actually using your spirituality as just another thing to get the good life that we're all chasing, the good life that entire industries are built upon. We all have this dissatisfaction of life. And that is because eternity was written on our hearts. We were created for more. We were created for something that escapes the confines of this existence that we now know. But what's amazing is God is eternal. And by the spirit of God, we can tap into the promises of the eternal and bring that into our everyday lives. And so I want to go from the abstract to the concrete. What does it mean to deny yourself? What does it mean to pick up your cross? What does it mean to die? Die to self daily. Well, it it means looking at every single situation, asking yourself, am I dying to myself in this situation? And that doesn't mean you roll over. It doesn't mean you're spineless. In fact, Jesus dying to himself one time looked like him calling Peter Satan. Because right after that, he told Peter that he was going to die for him. And he could call Peter Satan because he was willing to die for him. So it doesn't mean being wimpy. It doesn't mean being spineless. It means getting beyond yourself for the sake of the world God has put you in. And I've said this many times, but the hardest thing for us to lay down at the cross is our opinion of ourselves. It is the hardest thing. Labels, things that have been spoken over us, things that we have received for ourselves, They build a facade. They build an identity, a personality. And it is so hard to release that at the foot of the cross. But he's saying, if you deny yourself, if you deny that false self, I will give you the true self. I will give you the unique, the perfect, the beautiful version of you that you've always known you are but can never put words to. I will give you that by my spirit that now animates your life. That is the vision that God has for us. And that is why we must First, as a messenger team, before we call the nations, before we call the world to this mandate, we have to first embrace this idea of becoming uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. Wow, what a message. You know, Addison, the first thing that stood out to me is I actually heard a lot of your father in there, more so of like, you were like a machine gun preacher. Wow, I know, I was actually thinking I would be so intimidated to run the PowerPoint for that oh. message that you were... You remember those days when we used to run I PowerPoint? Do. I remember getting called out in front of the entire church because I, I was do. on the wrong slide. You got called out by Mul- name. Multiple times. Yeah. And that I didn't m- happen just once, multiple times. And I remember Austin one time was told to destroy the PowerPoint <laughs> that he was using in the middle of service. You know, I always think people want to do ministry until it's time to do ministry things. Oh, and that's, that's part so of true. ministry is running John Bevere's PowerPoint. It's the nitty gritty. It could be terrifying. It, it is terrifying. But, but we grew. But we grew. We, we've and, arrived in some senses. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's part of dying to yourself. Mm, you nice segue. I did, there? I did. That was good. Did you see what that I did That was good. There? Yeah, I, I saw it. And so, Addison, I love this idea and I love this message of, that you're talking about dying to yourself. But one of the things that you mentioned is picking up our cross. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could kind of unpack that a little bit more for our listeners. Sure. Yeah, I actually noticed when I listened to the message again, I was like, man, I really didn't get into this whole idea of picking up your cross. And I think picking up your cross means embracing the new life in Christ. It means embracing the new life that comes with his death and resurrection. It's receiving everything that God has spoken over you, whether you see it or not, everything that his word speaks over you. And I love this whole idea because his cross 
was heavy. The cross that he bore is heavy. The cross that we get to take up is light. He's the one who said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the hardest thing with all of that is getting over ourselves. I say it all the time. The hardest thing is to just get over yourself. Yep. Get over the extent of what you can perceive in the natural. Get over the material world around you in some senses and start to receive what God has spoken over to you. And as you do that, everything around you starts to change. So picking up your cross is essentially taking on this new identity. So denying yourself is forsaking the pseudo-individuality. And picking up your cross is taking on the new identity that's unique, special, inherent in Christ that is yours for eternity. Okay, so I'm, I'm hearing you talk, Addison, and I hear that word keep coming up, receive. You have to receive this. What does that look like practically? How do I receive that gift that Christ has given us? How do I receive that true identity that yeah. Christ paid the price to give me? Yeah, I think you receive it through a process. It's not That's something good. that you receive immediately. It's something that you're willing to struggle with. It's, a, it's something you're willing to process. It's something that you're willing to contend for and in many ways contend with. And I think that is a lifelong journey. So often we want these formulas, we want quick answers, we want easy solutions. But this new life in Christ, it is a, it is a struggle. That's why Paul does say in First Corinthians 15, this whole idea of dying daily. It is something like every day we have a different reality that is being shoved in our faces. And we get to make the decision. Are we going to believe what we see in the natural? Or are we going to receive what God has spoken over us and deposited into us by his spirit? So it's the little decisions every single day. It's engaging with that and recognizing that it isn't five easy steps. Yeah, every day. And it's the whole idea that the spiritual, the metaphysical, that infuses the material with meaning. And so it's every part of our lives. It's our relationships. It's where we work. It's what we do. It's how we play. It's how, I mean, it's all of it, every bit of it. And that's that's the idea of the gospel message is it changes everything. And so the implications of this whole idea of dying to self, well, anywhere you're capable of dying to yourself, you're going to experience resurrection life in some capacity, which is an amazing promise, right? He came to give us the abundant life, life in its fullness. That's not relegated to our religious experience or to church on Sunday or whatever they may look like. Now, that's so good, Addison. And so you said in your message, one of the hardest things to lay down at the cross is your opinion of yourself. Oh, absolutely. That's the I, hardest thing. It, that pride. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's always been our downfall. And, and really, that's what pride is. Pride is this unwillingness to believe what God says. It's to say, no, I actually know better, God. And whether that's being insecure or being arrogant. So touch on that. Fearful. Touch on insecurity, because a lot of times people don't attribute pride to insecurity. Oh, yeah. Well, insecurity is simply saying, when, when it, in the context of, what God speaks over us when insecurity is putting more stock or more weight in what you see in yourself, as opposed to receiving what God speaks over you. That's, that's spiritual insecurity, if you will. And the implications go into every area of our lives. So for me, all right, so I'll give an example for me. Yeah. Um, this whole idea of laying down my opinion of myself, I always saw myself as a terrible communicator, like terrible communicator. Yeah. Like at school, uh, in speech class, I would get so nervous that like I couldn't hold a pencil. I would be shaking so badly. The first time John ever made me speak was at a gathering. You were there. I, I remember you, it, you and it there. was titled The Specialist, yes. and I remember how nervous you were. And I didn't you, eat for two days, two days I prior to speaking. So two days, my stomach was in knots. Uh, if I tried to eat, I would throw up. It was terrible. And so this was a part of me that I, I just saw myself as a terrible communicator. And over time, I started to yield to God's opinion of me. There, I got to tell you a story. There's yeah. there one conference where I knew the leader of the conference wanted me to share something, wanted me to speak. 
someone told me that he wanted me to speak and he had actually heard the specialist message. It was sent to him. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time I'd ever spoken. And I knew he wanted to talk to me about it. And I completely avoided him the entire time. I would see him across the room and I would run the other way, like literally run the other way. That's how terrified I was of this. And, but with time, like God started to reveal to me things about myself that I didn't know. They were, they weren't superficial or surface attributes of who I am as a person. They're deeper. And so that, that process of dying to my own opinion of myself and my ability and my capability really opened my eyes to the greatness of God's work in my life way beyond the superficial. And so, whereas someone who's real comfortable with speaking like yourself, you know, God does, God does a deep work in you in other ways. Like right. you're a natural speaker. You're super comfortable in front of people. People look at you like Matt Joya. He is the man with people. That's not, that's not sure. me. I'm more of like the introvert, hide in the corner, don't want to be in that environment. And so for me, now that I can do these things, it's very much a work of God because I do not like doing this in my own strength. Well, and I just want to hit on something there too. If you run from your insecurities, if you run away from your fears, you prolong the process. So the fact that your oh, dad so made you share that message, I don't know if he Thanks, made dad. you or he invited you, but that it started the process for you to be able to overcome this fear. And you think about all the people that you've blessed through your messages, through your podcast, all the testimonies that we've seen in um, are a result of you overcoming your personal fear. So I just want to say to our listeners, what are those things that you're struggling with? And think about the implications and the ramifications of you overcoming those and all the people that you can impact. Yeah. Because that is getting over yourself in so many ways. Right. It's dying to self. It's it's forsaking the thing before the thing. We talk about this with the rich young ruler. His thing before the thing was his security, was his finances. The thing was to follow Jesus. Like Jesus had disciples that had lots of money. Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy yep. man, and his wealth put him in position to get Jesus's body from Pilate. So that wealth wasn't inherently bad. Wealth only becomes a problem when it possesses us, right? right? So it wasn't his wealth so much that was the problem. It was what the wealth represented, and the wealth represented something that would keep him from following Jesus. Oh, that is, anything, yep. anything that keeps us from following Jesus, from pursuing this life of becoming an uncompromising follower of Christ, it has to be laid down at the cross, anything. That's so good. So you have to be honest with yourself. You have to search yourself, line your, line your beliefs up with the Word of God to be able to identify those things that are standing in the way and then square off with them. Yeah. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, um, you know, when you've stepped up to fear, you've, you've, you've felt the worst of its bite. Mm. You know, a lot of times so we try true. to run from it and we think it's going to get worse. But really, when we square off, we see everything in front of us. And then it's very easy and simple to be able to just start to take those steps. Every yeah. step, you gain more confidence and more faith in Christ. Absolutely. Addison, is there anything else that you want to, you want to share on this? Any other insecurities that you've overcome? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man, we could be here all day. We could, we could, we could talk oh, about a lot yeah, of things. Yeah. Still working on quite a few, but no, and I'll share this. Asher, right? He's, he's eight now. Yep. And we have this talk all the time because, and I, I, I allude to this in the message, um, but this whole idea of navigating selfishness, and we all have this belief like, man, we really have to protect what are, what is ours. Mm-hmm. And h- human history, you study human history, like we really, despite all of our failures, like we still don't get this. Like you do not find life, like the good life that we all desire, that we all want. You don't find that by living small within yourself. Right. You find that by 
dying to yourself, which does not mean rolling over, does not mean losing individuality. It means living for something that's greater than you. And in the cross, we find the greatest exchange of us giving ourselves for something that infuses our death with life. In some ways, and this might be getting a little abstract, but it moves. So when people die, there's a lot of clarity. Like when people end their lives, they're like, man, I wish I would have invested more in relationships. I wish I would have taken more risks. I wish I would have loved better. You know, those types of things. Well, if we experience death in the present, then we remove that awareness that most people don't have, the lucidity that most people don't have until they die, we can move that into the present right. and live our lives full of purpose and the awareness of what truly matters. Instead of dying an old man or woman with, with regret. regret. Yeah, because you live small. Yep, man, that is so good. Well, Addison, thank you so much for being vulnerable, for sharing your insecurities and yeah. your fears and the process in which you overcame them. And uh, you're a good guy, man. You're a good guy, man. And we want to thank you all for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know how these messages and conversations are impacting you. And please share them with your friends, share them on social media, and let other people know that the truth is out there. Yeah. If you like it, share it. That's, it's there as simple go. as that. If you like share it, the share love. it. Share the love. Share the love. Where is the love? I knew, I knew you were going to go there. I just knew it. I just couldn't help wow. myself. Good yeah. for you. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. That's all we have. Addison, thank you. Thank you, Matt. And you guys have a great day. Till next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.